0: everybody, and welcome in to a new episode of the Iowa Tigers podcast here at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I'm Ben Fredrickson, joined, as always, by Dave Matter, Breakdown break down this week in Mizzou sports. We've got some college basketball to discuss. The Tigers get a, a nice lopsided win in their return after a short COVID pause, and also some football updates. A new linebacker to get to know, and perhaps a, a breakthrough on the defensive coordinator, coordinator front, as Eli Drinkwitz looks for Ryan Walters' replacement. We'll get into all that this, this episode, but first, say hey to Dave. How's it going, Dave? It's going well. It's uh,
1: busy times, as always, but um, basketball team's got a couple interesting wins here. I, I think, and we'll get to this, but I had to look it up last night. I thought it was true. This is the first time they've been over 500, the men's team, in SEC play since the end of Conzo's first season, because they've always kind of started off with a loss or two losses, and now they're three and two and uh, a little bit of momentum. There's not a – momentum doesn't really exist in this league for anybody outside of <laughs> Alabama right now. Right. Uh, but they've, they've got a little bit going on right now.
0: Yeah, the well, let's start with basketball because we weren't sure, obviously, what we would see out of the Tigers against South Carolina um, on Tuesday night. But, you know, you, you thought, hey, they shouldn't be too rusty. They had a short COVID pause, but not a, as long of a one as we've seen some teams go through. And then South Carolina, you know, the poor Gamecocks had have been a mess because of COVID. I mean, Frank Martin has had it, I think, twice. Yeah. Um, and multiple players, they had they had not really been able to get much momentum behind their season. And you just thought it was a game that, that Missouri should, frankly, you know, be able to handle. And they did. They, they come out strong, a great start. They win the first half 45-34. And then a good start to the second half kind of kept the game at bay. They never ran away with it, but they win 81 to seventy. They shoot 58% from the field. Um, they made. They didn't shoot a ton of three pointers, but they made a decent amount. They got out on the run in fast break, 20 fast break points, and they just looked. Um, they looked energized and and refreshed. And some key things that we can start with right away. Jeremiah Tillman is in what has to be the best stretch of his career. It's yeah. now been six games, really dating back to that Bradley game where he won on the old school three point play. Um, that's been a consistent. Um, newer to the scene was a refreshed looking Mark Smith who's hitting some threes, who had some bounce back in his legs. I got to tell you, Dave, entering this game, I thought Conzo might sit Mark. I thought he might bring him off the bench just because he looks so out of sorts his last time out. Conzo starts him again, ends up playing him basically the whole game, I think, because he liked what he saw from him. Good to see Mark Smith kind of seem to be working through this funk that has really threatened to threaten to derail his season here over the past few games.
1: Yeah. And Conzo and was, he said this, Late last week, maybe he said it Saturday, that when he hits an early shot or two, every other part of Mark's game picks up. And that was absolutely the case Tuesday. He hit an early three, and then he got to the free throw line. He started to attack more. Played pretty good defense all night. He he got the early draw on Jermaine Cousinard, um, their uh, South Carolina's like scoring point guard. And uh, he was on him a little bit and some of the other guys in their backcourt. And then he hit two threes within like a minute right before halftime. And you look up, he's got 15 points at halftime. And and that was the spark this team needed. It was, again, a night where Xavier Pinson didn't do a whole lot, except turn the ball over. And then he got clonked on the head right before halftime, inadvertent foot. It looked like his foot from Javon Pickett um, didn't have a great game otherwise. So you always need someone else to step up. Drew Smith is back to – Two games in a row now where he's steadily just doing what he always does, just kind of filling the stat sheet, hitting some shots. And and this was Mark's night. And I thought, uh, they, they probably could have won without him getting hot, but he did just enough. And after making, I think he only had four threes in Missouri's first four SEC games, and he hit three last night. So obviously it's progress. And when when Tillman's playing the way he is, and again, I, I think I've said this before, and I even asked Conzo about it last night. He's just reliable. He's the one reliable guy out there now. You need that second and third guy to contribute offensively, and, and it was it was definitely Mark on uh, on Tuesday. Yeah, having having
0: the Smith the Smith brothers, no relation, um, play like they play like they did last night. That's going to be, I think, the key to this team looking like it looked when it beat Oregon and looking like it looked when it beat Illinois. And and Drew having now a couple games under his belt where he looks like himself, and Mark kind of getting that. That elephant off his back in terms of his shooting slump. I, I think it could really free them up entering a really tough stretch of play in sec play. I had asked Conzo at one point if Mark Smith had um, had had COVID because yeah. he kind of, you know, sometimes he just looked so flat and it kind of reminded me of watching Lane Thomas with the Cardinals when we wondered what was going on with him late in the year. And it came to find out he was really on a slow recovery from virus. And he, Mark Smith has not had COVID. He's not one of the players who had it. Um, Konzo thinks he was just putting so much pressure on himself. So hopefully again, like that, 18 points can alleviate some of that pressure. And I like what Konzo did where he just left him out there. I mean, 37 yeah. minutes because he just wanted to, he just wanted them to keep shooting through it. So hopefully that holds up for him. How about Jeremiah Tillman though, Dave? It's not new because he's been doing this, right. but 19 points on eight of 11 shooting. Um, he made all but two of his five free throws. Grabs ten rebounds. Um, I think he had a couple, two or three steals in there as well, and some blocked shots. He was, he was locked in from the beginning. He's demanding the ball when he's open, and when he gets it in the post, he's developed enough patience that he can pass out of it now and really help them get better looks. Or he can come up with one of his, you know, one of his many post moves and get a really good look at the basket, and he's finishing it. What do you make of what we're seeing from this guy over the past five, six games?
1: Yeah, he's really been impressive, really steady, really reliable. Um, you, know, you know what you're going to get going into games, and we've never said that before about Jeremiah Tillman, and he's, he's been providing it. Um, after the game, Frank Martin had some interesting comments. He, he, uh, he said they're 6'10 center he barely played him because he he said he had quote zero fight against Tillman. He's like, he didn't even, wasn't even trying. So they went small and he liked what their smaller forwards were able to at least go out there and and battle with them a little bit. But as Frank said, he goes, he's just too damn big for us. And, and Conza was really impressed. And this was a, a interesting point because this has given Tillman trouble before when teams go small against Tillman, it's, it's worked against Missouri, because he has to go out and guard the three-point line sometimes. That's where he gets some of those cheap fouls. Yeah. And he's, he's better, historically, when he's going up against another big guy. But last night, you know, he, he held his own, no foul trouble at all, uh, three more block shots. So he's had back-to-back games with three blocks after having only two in the first eight games of the season. Uh, so he's he's adding, you know, that impact on the defensive end. Couple of assists last night, and there were three steals also for him. So just really, really active. Uh, he's playing with confidence, maybe for the first time in his career. Like just consistent confidence. You talk to him afterwards, and he's he's always been this like fun-loving, gregarious, like just refreshing guy. Now he's he's such a veteran. He's almost boring when he talks because he's so locked in. He's he's kind of talking like a coach and how you how they want the the guys to talk. Um, but he's doing all the right things, and right now. I mean, I, I, Mitchell Forty from Power Mizzou is sitting next to me at the game last night, six feet across with our masks on, so he had to yell at me. But he, he's like, this guy is an all-SEC player right now. And if you just look at the SEC numbers, he absolutely is. Now he's got to keep it going, but man, he is, he's playing as, as well as any big man in this conference and maybe you know beyond this conference, the, the way he's produ- producing right now.
0: I feel like we're all hesitant to just say that out loud because you just with Jeremiah the passes, he strings together two or yeah. three really strong games and then and then to the bottom drops out, or then he fouls out of the next two of the next three. He hasn't fouled out of a game in a while. He's really found a good zone. Where he gets kind of two, three fouls and he starts to change his play a little bit. He's no longer letting the officials take him out of games. Right. I thought a great moment that showed that the other night was when he, I think. <laughs> What should have been his fourth foul was assigned to Drew Bugs. And uh and and and, yeah. and Tillman kind of get this, gets this smirkish grin on his face. <laughs> and he and he's kind of laughing about it. And it's like, man, what a what a concept change that has been from last couple of years, where if it was two years ago, you know Tillman's getting called for that foul, and you know that he's probably gonna have to come out of the game because of it, because yeah. it's either four or five. He's kind of figured it out. And I know it took a lot longer than a lot of Tiger fans would have hoped but he is making the most of it now. And I think his teammates have realized we got to play through this guy. Yeah. Not just because he's our best scoring threat because he's shooting something like close to 90% and he's finishing now at the rim. It's none of this throw it up there and hope it goes in. He's dunking it or having really nice high opportunity layup looks. He's also passing well and passing out of it. Well, and you know, he's creating better looks for them. So that's been a really miraculous thing to watch kind of bloom for the Tigers this year, the final arrival of, of Jeremiah Tillman, as, as Jeff Gordon wrote in, in the Post-Dispatch, which is a good column. I mean, this is, a, this is a guy that everybody's been waiting to see, and and here he is. Everything okay with, with Pinton, Dave, before we kind of switch topics to, to big picture here? It looked like he got clocked pretty good, but it was good to yeah. see him back in the
1: game. Yeah, he came back. He started the second half and then finished the game. He was on the bench for a pretty long time in the second half. Now, some of that might have been he was, wasn't playing very well. This is the first game in a stretch of 26 that he didn't have a field goal uh, he had just two points both free throws five turnovers he got into a bad habit of kind of just throwing the ball away and being sloppy with his ball handling and he that's two games in a row now he's kind of done that a little bit and um, so I think that's something to keep track of I mean they'll let him play through that he's still a starter he's uh, still a big part of this team but Konzo was asked how his how he was feeling after the game he goes well he, finish the game. So it wasn't like he, we were told he couldn't play. So, um, but yeah, something to monitor, to see if he can kind of come out of this funk that he's in.
0: What do you make of what's next for Mizzou? Kind of an interesting schedule moving forward here there. They got a, a nice game to come back with from their short COVID pause in South Carolina, but there are some not so nice games coming up. One will be the trip. The first up will be the trip to Tennessee for yeah. a rematch of a 20 point beat down. The volunteers put on the Tigers in Columbia and usually, when a team loses, it's a good thing for one of your opponents. But I guess I'm guessing Tennessee will be very motivated, considering the way they were embarrassed against Florida their last time out, and also how Rick Barnes laid into his team, basically challenging challenging their manhood more or less yeah. after that loss. I think Tennessee going back home to Knoxville is going to be pretty fired up.
1: Yeah, I would think so. I mean, that's a, a, they've got enough veteran players on that team that they know, you know, what's at stake. And that message was delivered loud and clear. I also think, and Rick Barnes is a smart enough coach. I think he also probably makes that speech knowing what's coming up next for his team, Um, a veteran Missouri team that's playing better than they were when, when, when they beat them. Um, And it's, it's a challenge. Like, when that game happened three weeks ago you would have thought oh my gosh tennessee is going to run away with the sec missouri's well, still i did good think, yeah <laughs> but but guess what they got the same record right now i mean yep. they played one more game so they have one more win um as far as the conference goes but same number of losses and they they did not look good in that florida game at all and they they lost to alabama who's now running away with the with the sec um a couple weeks ago so yeah this this sets up as a, as a huge chance for Missouri. And then after that, there's some, some more winnable games on, on, on the schedule. They get TCU if TCU is playing. I know Jamie Dixon has been out with COVID in the big 12 sec challenge the following weekend, they've got a trip to Auburn and uh, Auburn's not what they usually are this year. Um, you know, and, and, from there on there, there's some more winnable games too. So they've got a chance here, even if they, even if they lose Saturday and they're going to be underdogs on this one. Um, I don't think this team is going to, is going to go into a funk and uh, there's just too many winnable games and they've found a blueprint. Now that works for them um, go- going through Tillman, like we said, and playing this more up-tempo style. Like Conzo's talked about it. He talked about it in the preseason, talked about it early in the season. And then last night I thought he had a really revealing comment. He said when he's gone back and watched footage from last year, just to study some opponents, he said, there's times when I watched our offense and I saw what are we, what were we doing playing so slow? He said, he said, I wouldn't even want to watch this team. And then he caught himself and said, gosh, I hope the fans don't hear that, but it's true. <laughs> so I, I think he really is committed to playing up tempo last night against South Carolina, Missouri was running after made baskets and, 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 yeah. scored. so. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's South Carolina's strength. That's what they want to do under Frank Martin. Uh, and they were able to beat them at their own game. So I think he is fully committed to playing at this kind of pace there are games like the A&M game where it turns into a rock fight and it can get kind of ugly. But as long as the officials are letting them play and it's not constant whistles and fouls and turnovers on Missouri's part, um, they they will play at this tempo. And I think it it suits them well.
0: Yeah, that's a great point about running after made baskets. I think at one point South Carolina hit a three and Missouri had a layup within five, you know, less yeah. than three, three seconds after at the other end. I think when they hit some threes, they're more confident in playing that way. Watching them, it seems like games get bogged down for them offensively when they're not hitting threes. And then they start to worry about, well, how are we going to score? And then every possession becomes something that has to be – it's like they almost clutch it to death, you know, because they're worried they're not going to hit an open three. So that's why Mark Smith hitting some of those shots is so big because it gives the team that confidence. You've got an inside threat in Tillman, an outside threat in Mark, and then you can maybe – you don't get careless with possessions – but you can treat them more up-tempo because you're not afraid the points are just going to dry up on you. Yeah. Um, but an interesting moment of insight from Conzo there because I think there were some fans last season who were going, man, this offense is like watching paint dry at times. And it was. Right. So, uh, so yeah, I think fans like to hear, like to hear that. Dave, let's kind of turn the, the tables to football here a little bit. A couple updates. I wanted to start with the new player. Um, because we're we sure he's coming. We've got some some info on the defensive coordinator hunt that we'll that we'll get to. But by the time folks listen to this, who knows? It might be it might be old news. But that's the danger of the podcast. We're recording this on a Wednesday morning. And what we know right now for sure is that Rice transfer Blaze Aldridge, one of the best names you'll find in college football, yeah. who was an absolute stud, a tackling machine at Rice, is going to be joining Missouri as a grad transfer. Kind of trying to fill that Nick Bolton type role which of course are big shoes to fill he has the hair though to uh to uh to maybe do the job of course we all got used to seeing nick bolton's you know dreadlocks flying around as he as he knocks somebody down this guy doesn't have dreads dave but he's got some like almost like a sons of anarchy style ponytail <laughs> i guess i would say i don't know if he's still holding on to that or will when he gets to mizzou but sounds like this guy's a really good football player and also a pretty interesting cat you had a chance to catch up with blaze
1: Yeah, I haven't written the story yet. It'll come out soon enough, but I talked to him the other day after he committed. And pretty interesting dude, like you said, um, played high school. He he moved around between the East and West Coast growing up, uh, went to high school his last two years in Celebration, Florida, which people might know is is like the town that Disney World is in. And um, he was a really good local high school player there. Didn't have, he got some, he got some looks from the Ivy League. Uh, Stanford's uh, one of their assistant coaches gave him a really hard look, but then ended up not staying at Stanford. They had a coaching change or or, or coordinator change or something went on there where that dried up. So he went to junior college, even though he was really good academic student, but he he wanted to kind of enhance his stock a little bit, went to a JUCO in LA, ended up getting some mid-major offers, went to Rice, became a starter his first year there, and then became a really good player his second year, Um, led the team in tackles each of the last two seasons, had like 21 and a half tackles for loss as a junior in 2019, right behind Chase Young from Ohio state, who was what the second player taken in the NFL draft. Uh, So really good production. And then Rice had a much shorter season this year. They had some COVID issues, uh, but still had a, a good year. Could have gone to the NFL draft. He was a senior, but you know, since this year doesn't count eligibility wise, gets that other year and decide to enter the portal and to see if he could make it to a, a power five team. And, and Missouri, he told me, I think they were the one of the first three schools to reach out to him and everything that they pitched to him really resonated. They basically told him, Hey, we're losing a linebacker to the NFL, a will linebacker and this scheme we have now, Grant he also said, I don't know if the scheme could change depending on who the coordinator ends up being, but they're looking for an inside linebacker and uh, he, he fit the mold. So he was sold. He, he said he's never been to Columbia. He's been to St. Louis once, but otherwise this is a sight unseen type of commitment. Uh, but he just wants to go somewhere for a year and see what he can do and enhances stock for the NFL. And, uh, and, and he, he was sold. So interesting guy, first team, all academic, political science, major he interned at a law firm, did some construction law work this past summer in Houston. Smart guy. Gotta be smart to get a degree from rice, you know, no matter if you're an athlete or not an athlete. So I think that's, this is a pretty promising pickup. You know, they, they need a a linebacker with some experience. They have some younger guys that haven't played a whole lot to move into Bolton spot, but this just adds a, a a more seasoned guy that is going to show up really driven and Missouri's they've done a pretty good job with these grad transfers here lately. You get Michael Mayetti from Rutgers, who was very solid for them. Kiki Chisholm was solid. Damon Hazleton had some injury issues some drops issues, but was good for the team. Uh, I think was well-liked and they would have welcomed him back, I think for another year, but he's going to try to make it in the NFL. So um, yeah, this is interesting guy, interesting pickup and, and a, definitely a position of need for this defense.
0: Folks should keep an eye out for that feature on blaze Aldridge coming out. Dave, you're also working on a story about Mookie Cooper, um, the Ohio state transfer. So I want to make sure people, people know that it's coming as well. The uh, St. Louis native who's going to come back to Mizzou and should be an instant impact receiver the Tigers as well. So Drinkwitz has been busy on that transfer transfer trail. We also know he's made some progress on his defensive coordinator hunt. Dave sounds like faced off of some reporting you had recently. And again, you know, people should understand this could up, this could change by the time they listen to it. It's kind of a moving target here, but yeah. you had the, the news. Um, you had the news Tuesday night that both David Gibbs, the current Missouri coach uh, on the defensive side, and also Steve Wilkes, a long time NFL coach in varying capacities, are kind of emerging as at least two serious candidates for for the uh, defensive coordinator job. There could be more, but those guys are getting some serious buzz here, Dave, and you think that Wilkes could be a name that Missouri fans get to get to f- get familiar with a little bit here?
1: Yeah, it seemed like it was really trending that way Tuesday night. You know, I was told Tuesday, and I wrote this at stltoday.com in the middle of the basketball game, um, <laughs> that, that uh, they weren't at the finish line yet, but they were still in talks with three people, and I think pretty close that these would be the three someone from this group of three that includes David Gibbs, Missouri's defensive backs, coach, cornerbacks, coach, who's been a coordinator before at the power five level coached in the NFL some. And then Steve Wilkes, who most recently coached in 2019, he was the Cleveland Browns defensive coordinator. Then they made the head coaching change and and he was not retained. Um, people may remember him more. So he was the Arizona Cardinals head coach in 2018. They went three and 13, Uh, He he did not have a long leash at all. They they went ahead and made the coaching change and completely shifted everything to Cliff Kingsbury. Um, But he's a guy that's been a coordinator uh, at the NFL ranks. He's been a head coach. I think in today's NFL, if you are African-American and you rise to the ranks of being a head coach, it's hard enough to get a job for those guys. They have done something right along the way. And impress some people to even be considered. We, we've seen how hard it is for, for some of these folks to get jobs. So he is he's bounced around a lot. Um, but he did an interview last year, I think, it was with the Athletic, um, basically saying his is he, he was he was going to be picky for for his job in 2020. He had offers from several NFL teams, but he wanted to find somewhere where he could stay for a while. So he didn't coach in 2020. Some people might say, well, it's because nobody wanted him. Well, you know, sometimes these coaches they get tired of moving around all the time. Um, and, and looking for something a little more solid. We know he's got ties to Missouri staff, for sure. He coached with Brick Haley with the Chicago Bears for uh, a couple seasons back in the early 2000s, Missouri's D-line coach. And in Arizona, he coached with Charlie Harbison, Missouri's secondary coach, uh, who worked under him with the Cardinals. So there's some obvious ties there. He also went to Appalachian State, where Eli Drinkwitz coached, and a lot of these coaches came from. So there's some natural ties there even though they obviously didn't cross paths at App State. I think uh, Eli was probably in high school back then when, when, uh, when Steve was coaching. So I, there's a good chance I think he could he could be the guy. Now he could have some NFL offers, too, because that's where he has spent most of his career. He was uh, has coached in college, coached at Notre Dame way back in the Tyrone Willingham years, spent a year at University of Washington. Um, so, you know, is, can he recruit? Well, he hasn't in a long time. But I think this job is more about getting an X and O's guy that can run a defense that has a, has a scheme in mind and, and can, you know, match wits with the really good offensive coaches that we've seen in the SEC. And if you can do it in the NFL, uh, or at least put yourself in position to call plays in the NFL, then, you know, I think you could have a good job being able to do it in college.
0: Good stuff, as always, Dave, and encourage Tigers fans to find all of Dave's coverage at stltoday.com. And in the pages of the post dispatch football, basketball, he's got it all covered. And uh, we will continue to do the I'm the Tigers podcast weekly to update you on all things going on in Tiger athletics. If you like what you're hearing, do us a favor subscribe, let us know how we're doing in the reviews, and leave us a, uh, a ranking. You can find us uh, on iTunes, wherever you go to get your podcast needs. You can find I'm the Tigers there. Just punch in I'm the Tigers podcast, or you can go to slash podcasts. And check out all of our other podcasts at stlday.com. Baseball, hockey, news, whatever you're into, you can find a podcast there dedicated to it. We thank everybody who supports it and checks it out. For Dave, I'm Ben. We will talk to you guys next week.